Hi, this is Pastor Marquez Ball of the Uplift Church in Laurel, Maryland. Listen, it is my prayer that this word is a blessing in your life. I pray that it's uplifting to your mind, uplifting to your heart, and uplifting to your spirit. Check us out online at upliftmd.com. God bless. I want y'all to help, uh, help, help uh, me get through. So I solicit uh, your prayers. I also pray my coworkers um, say that uh, we got a little more on the way, and so they're saying it's gonna come right at nine o'clock in the morning uh, while I'm trying to defend my decision. So I need y'all to pray uh, uh, that Christian baby's uh, name uh, waits until Dad is done defending his dissertation. Psalm, Psalm number 73. I am Baptist in my bones. That's what I was growing, I grew up with. And so I want you to appease the Baptist in me. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to holler back at me the response, all right? When you have it, can you say amen? Amen. Okay, let's try it one more time. I want, you to, I want you to holler back at me like it is your team in the championship. But wait, but wait. And it's your child on the team that's about to make the winning play. I need you to holler back at me when you guys say amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Psalm number 73. We're really going to look at the entire psalm, but I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. The tech team is going to help us. We're going to look first at verses 1 through 3. Psalm number 73, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it said. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Truly, God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Scroll down or flip uh, with me, if you will, to verse number 13. Verse number 13 says this. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have portrayed the generation of the children, of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. Scroll down with me, if you will, flip over to verse number 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion 
forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. The word of God is already blessed. Will you do me a favor? Put a smile on your face, joy in your heart, the kind of smile on your face that says you just got a raise from your supervisor. And watch this. It wasn't one of those I'm giving you $2 more per hour type raise. It was one of those GS level type raises. You got a, a raise from, from, your, from your supervisor. Here it is. You, you, you got a phone call from the elite private school saying they want to give your child a scholarship type smile on your face. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor! neighbor. I, almost I almost gave up. Gave up. Look at another neighbor. Look at another neighbor with joy in your heart. Enthusiasm in your smile. Say, other neighbor! Other neighbor. I, almost I almost gave up. Gave up. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, it's once again that I stand to proclaim your word. I pray, dear Lord, that I decrease and that you increase mightily. That these, your people, would see and hear less of me and more of thee. Take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and make them to be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our God, our strength and our redeemer. Father, I have studied, but I need your strength. I have prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but I need you to make me able. Silently now, I'll wait for thee. Ready, my Lord, thy will to see. Open my eyes and lift me. Spirit divine. Lord, prepare us to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I, I almost gave up. My wife's favorite movie is Sister Act 2. Uh, Sister Act 2. For those who do not know the plot of Sister Act 2, uh, you've got Sister Mary Clarence who shows up at St. Philip's Academy, and St. Philip's Academy is on the verge of closing. Sister Mary Clarence finds out that there is a group that can sing, but they just need to be pulled together to, to form a choir. And she has the, the personality, if you will, that does not mind grabbing somebody by the collar, making them sit. Now, she has one of those grandmama personalities that would pinch you a little bit behind your ear to make you shut. She had, she had one of those personalities, and she got the group uh, together that they began to form a choir. Then, when she heard that the school was on the verge of closing, and these kids who needed this school to make a difference in their lives would be out of luck. She found out that there was a competition for choirs. She told them, we can go to this competition. As a matter of fact, the school used to win these competitions years ago. So uh, they entered the competition. This ragtag group of kids from the hood singing because Sister Mary Clarence got them to sing together. Well, they get to the competition, and right before they get on stage, there is a choir that is performing. Oh, it is like an army. It is. It, they are filling the stage, and they turn, and they started singing. And, well, Sister Mary Clarence's choir from St. Philip's Academy sees this amazing show from this choir, and they automatically think, we can't do this. Listen, we, there is no way in the world I'm going out there after I have seen what they have done. They were right on the verge of getting on the stage, but when they saw how good somebody else looked, they declared, you know what? 
this ain't for me. I, 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 I put in work for it, but I really, I, I can't, I can't do that. I almost, I almost. Have you ever been there? Where you put in work for something, you've tried, and then you see what you're up against. And you say, Lord, I, listen now, I'm willing to do a lot. That, I can't do that. I cannot do that. That's not for me. Or, have you had the uncomfortable experience of, of sacrificing, of, of working hard for something? Well, you, you have the, all my life I've had the fight type mentality. Only to see somebody who has put no skin in the game, who has, who has not struggled, who has not made the sacrifices you've made seem to go farther and faster than you have. You ever had that uncomfortable experience of you saying to yourself, now I know I deserve this more. They don't even know what they got themselves. They ain't worthy. Uh, this don't make no kind of sense. It's only because your mama didn't call somebody that you got. You ever had that kind of experience? It's only because you are the boss's niece and you even like your mama. And, and all those kind of experiences, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. When you watch somebody who seems less deserving go further faster than you. The question is, how do you maintain momentum when it seems as though everybody else is outpacing you? How, how do you have the nerve to say, I'm going to keep going in spite of what it looks like? Here we are. In the book of Psalms, this past summer, we did a series called The Songs of Summer. As, as we look at the book of Psalms, uh, there, there are more than seven uh, composers of the psalm, and some uh, of them are easily identifiable, while others are hidden to us. David, David wrote at least 73 of the psalms. And then Asaph, who we're going to look at, wrote 12 of them. What makes Psalms compelling is that when you consider the author and the conditions surrounding the writing of the psalm, it kind of brings it to life more. This summer I said the book of Psalms is really kind of the R&B version of the Bible. It's, it's the R&B version because they wrote the psalm in such vivid details of how they had to trust God. They wrote it not that you would just read what they experienced, but that you would feel what they felt while experiencing it. It's the, it's the R&B version of it. In the Hebrew Bible, uh, the book is actually called the book of praise because most of the Psalms have some element of praise. Here we are in the 73rd Psalm written by Asaph. David was the only other person who wrote more Psalms than Asaph. You see, Asaph was special because he was uh, the tabernacle. I'm trying to check this out. He, he, was the, he was the minister of music for the tabernacle during the kingship of David. And his job, as uh, what 1 Chronicles 16 tells us, his job was to sing constant praise and thanks to the Lord of Israel. Every day, he had to go before the ark of God and sing praise to the Lord of Israel. And today, my brothers and my sisters, 
we have been selected by the Tabernacle Selection Committee to have the privilege of shadowing ASAP to learn something about keeping momentum when you want to give up. We get to, to Asaph's house. Y'all got to go on this spiritual journey with me. We get to Asaph's house just as he's about to head out and take his, his walk to the tabernacle. Y'all see us? We, we there outside of his house. Asaph comes out. He says, hey, uh, good to see you all. Glad uh, that you get to hang out with me today. Asaph tells us, I don't, I don't know much, but, but hopefully I can teach you a little bit uh, that I do know. I'll do my best. Asaph, he starts walking. But he's moving slow. He says to us, uh, you, you have to excuse me for a while now. My body has been in pain. I, I don't know what it is, but it makes my day pretty hard. It's, it's hard for me to sing sometimes because I'm in so much pain. But I, but I just do my best. We're walking with him, and as we're walking, some people wave at him as we walk past. Then, then he stops at this little coffee shop. He says to us, I normally start my day early so that I can get here to grab a cup of coffee. Well, I, I, I mean, it also gives me a break on my walk because my body is in so much pain. So I give my body a little bit of rest. We say, fine, no problem. We like coffee, too. I, I believe God said, let there be light. Uh, after saying, let there be coffee, that's just my interpretation of it. So we say, fine, no problem. Uh, except we, we don't mind. We don't mind having a cup of coffee. And so he sits down at a little table on the outside. And as people are walking by, going about their day, when some people see him, they know, oh, oh, that, that's cheap musician. That's, that's the minister of music. They come by, they wave, and they say to Asaph, Asaph, God is good all the time. We who have grown up in church help Asaph respond. When we hear God is good all the time, we say, and all the time? Yeah, see, we know the same kind of thing that Asaph knows. And so that's the response that Asaph gives. And in his response, that's verse number one, he says, truly, God is good to Israel. First thing that we learn from our shadowing of Asaph is this, that what you were taught matters. What you were taught matters. Asaph opens up this psalm by saying, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Asaph is recounting what he's been taught about who God is because from childhood he would have been told the stories about how God got them through. He would have been taught how God blessed Abram and caused him to have many descendants. He, he would have been taught how God used Moses to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. He would have been taught how God blessed Joshua to lead the people into a land flowing with milk and honey. The Israelites understood that in order for their values to survive, they needed to teach it to the next generation. And, and so Asaph would have been taught the history of how God has worked in their lives. 
And one of the problems we have now is that we have people who know more Cardi B lyrics than they know the word of God. We've got people who spend more time analyzing the movie, us, than analyzing the word of God. Some of us spend more time teaching our children football and basketball than how to pray to a God that will get them through in difficult times. Listen, what you are taught matters. I'm thankful for grandmama teaching me how to pray. I'm thankful for the Sunday school teachers that taught me the Bible stories that let me know that God can make a way out of no way. I'm thankful for the conversations that mama had that let me know that God was a provider. Asaph starts by saying, God is good. And he knew that God was good because of the goodness of God being taught to him. Anybody here today that's thankful for the lessons that you've learned about how good our God is? Is there anybody here today that's thankful that you learned that God will show up and he might not show up when you want him to, but when he does show up, he's right on the, Is there anybody here that's with Asaph that can start your day by saying, God is good? My brothers and my sisters, what you are taught about God matters. Okay, some of you are here, uh, you're saying, Pastor Ball, I wasn't taught about God as a child. The only reason I'm here is because Sean threatened me, and so I had had to show up. The only reason I am here is because next year made me, the only reason I'm here is because my family member's trying to win this family and friends. That's the only reason I don't even believe this stuff. And so I didn't grow up learning about God. Nobody taught me this stuff. Oh, my brother, my sister, you may not have been taught it in Sunday school about you watching your grandmama pray, but you're still taught about God and God's goodness. I know I'm right about it because the Bible says even the heavens declare the glory of God. The fact that you woke up this morning and the earth was still spinning on its axis shows the goodness of God. The fact that the sun is still shining bright in its place shows the, the goodness of God. The fact that you were able to capture air in your lungs and keep on breathing shows the nature itself shows us the goodness of God, my brother, my sister, what you are taught about God matters. Asaph sips his coffee and, and he waves a few more people uh, come by and say hi to him. Then a group walks by and everybody starts staring at them. They, they look different. Crowds come around them and folks, oh, that's that's so-and-so. Crowds start whispering about them. Even, even the shop owners, they, they come out and they greet them and give stuff to them. Hey, can, can you wear this? Because if you wear it, other folk will want to wear You know, that, that, it's that kind of, that kind of person. They, they look healthy and wealthy. I mean, they look like they have made it. They, they look successful and strong like they wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym and you know they their keto diet is working for them they they just look they look like they got it together they see asaph they see us sitting with him and they come up to us not to asaph they come up to us and they say to us what are y'all doing with this food 
We, we say we, we are shadowing him for the day. You know, Tabernacle Selection Committee said that we get to shadow him to learn a little bit about maintaining momentum when you want to give up. They say, I, I don't know why y'all are with him. He ain't got nothing to teach you but how to waste your time. Look at him. He goes to that tabernacle every day and he's still sick. You think by now he'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise after all the songs he has sang, after after all the songs he has led the people in. You would think his life would be better. He is wasting. Look at us. We don't do none of that, and we got it made. You all ought to hang with us. And Asaph gets mad. Asaph says, "Let's go." He doesn't get up quick because he's in pain, but he does. He does get up, and he starts making his way toward the tabernacle. Then the second thing shouting Asaph teaches us is that while what you are taught matters, hear this, what you experience matters more. What you experience matters more. While walking, Asaph looks up toward the sky and says, God, I'm not sure how much longer I can do this. Every day I get up and I do my best for you. I have to see these people who don't care about you and who are not trying to live for you and they are doing better than me. Look at me walking around struggling and look at them looking healthy and wealthy but as for me I'm in pain just trying to see. What's the point of me serving and singing praise to you, yet I'm still struggling? I thought that surely things would be better for me by now. I I thought that surely after my faithfulness, you would have blessed me with more than this by now. This is it for me, God. I, I I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of looking like a fool and having folks laugh at me. Asaph's problem was that he was frustrated when maintaining momentum when he saw that the wicked were doing better than him. He was frustrated when his experience didn't match his expectation. Oh, that's good. Let me say that one more time. Asaph was frustrated when his experience did not match his expectation. And my brothers and my sisters, yes, what you are taught matters, but what you experience matters more. And this is where the problem comes in for many of us when it comes to keeping momentum. Please hear this. Anybody can maintain momentum for a short period of time. But when your experience doesn't match your expectations, you look for an exit. Okay, let me tell you my story. Um, some years ago, uh, I'm working, uh, and, and we got two friends. We are all competitive. This one guy, he was in the Army. He was still in the Army National Guard, so he had to do these physical fitness tests. And then you had my other friend who was former Navy. I'm prior Air Force, and, and I think I'm fit. And so we challenge each other to a race at work. We just don't care. We, we, we challenge each other to a race. That day, we going to do it. So we go outside, our coworkers hear about this race, they come outside to watch us and they, they video us doing this particular race. I know I'm fast, I've always been fast. My nickname is Buck because my grandfather was country, he said you fast as a deer. I knew I was fast and so I knew they can't beat me. Well, 
lined up. And I expected to just, I, listen, this is going to be too easy. This is just, I'm talking trash because I know I am, but I've always been, I was a running back, and so I know I'm, I'm fast. So we line up, um, and they go down a little bit, and they look a little further than I expected. That's why I'm fast. I can get there. As long as I can beat them, there's no problem. And well, they say go. We start running. I'm fast. I know I'm fast. I'm, I'm doing I'm I'm pushing. I'm I'm going. I'm I'm Hold up. He, hold up. We go look back because he passed me. He wasn't supposed to. Maybe I wouldn't do the best. Maybe I would do the best. And, and then, then the other one, the other one passed me. Felt my lungs working hard. And I thought, oh, what? Uh-uh. That's it for me. I can't, I can't make it. I found my exit quickly. I, my leg, so like, you know, when you say folks who can't really run and their leg go out for no reason, that's precisely I pulled one of those and I got all out of the way. Why? I expected to win. I expected to be faster than them. I expected that I would do better than them. But when my expectations were not met, I found my exit quickly. Some of our problems when it comes to maintaining momentum is that we can maintain it for a while. But if you ever got to maintain it over a long period of time, we begin to look for our exit. Some of our frustration with God, some of our frustration with the church is that you thought you would be further by now. You thought you would have more by now. You thought surely God would have blessed me by now. And what makes it worse is you see other folks seemingly doing better than you. It would be fine if what nobody doing better than you, I can maintain, I can keep going. But when I see folk who ain't praying like I'm praying, I see folk who ain't giving like I'm, I got up early and I'm going to set up team. God, surely that ought to be worth something. And because it does not come when we expect it to, we look for our exit. We hear God say, do this. And we thought, as soon as I start the business, everybody's going to recognize it, and I'm going to have all the money in the world. We thought, as soon as he finds out he loves me, and, and, and he he gets, he puts the ring on it, my life will be set. We, we thought I wouldn't have to struggle anymore. And we thought, as soon as I get this job, Oh yes, I'm gonna move up now. As soon as I get it, I listen to all the folks who've been laughing at me, but once I get this new level, oh, I'm gonna I'm secure the bag and I'm gonna be balling. And we, we thought that would happen, but we thought as soon as I graduate and I get this degree, woo, listen, I ain't never coming back here again. I, as soon as I know I'm gonna be the one they give all the money to because I deserve it. And they like it. You have the frustration when your expectations are not met. You then say, God, what's the point of it all? Why am I praying? Why am I seeking you? Why am I trusting you? My brothers and my sisters, that's exactly where Asaph is by the time we get to verse number three. And in the very real sense, from verse number three all the way down to verse number 16, Asaph complains about the people that he sees doing better than him. One of the challenges to your momentum is when you compare where you are 
but where other people are. One of the challenges with your momentum is when you become envious of what you see other people having and you don't know another person's story. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, if you're going to maintain momentum, you've got to keep your focus on God and not what you see other people have. Okay, let me give it to you another way. There are other people who have bigger houses and nicer cars, but what you don't know is they ain't got nothing in their house and they can't put gas in their car. And you get mad at them for the struggle that they have and you get like, I'll have what they have. Maybe you don't want what they have. You look at somebody's happy Instagram photos of their relationship over to find out that husband don't even stay in the house with them. They just take good pictures and you're envious of what you think somebody else has. My brothers and my sisters, Asaph's experiences challenge what he had been taught about God. And for some of us, our experiences challenge what mama, grandma, and them told us about God making a way and you still looking for your way to be made. Well, brothers and sisters, what you are taught matters. What you experience matters more. But when we get down to verse number 13 through 17, we learn from Asaph that what God says matters most. Watch the text. He says, verse number 13, in vain I have kept my heart clean. God, I've been doing this for nothing and I'm still struggling.